Thank you for joining us. God sent his only son, his sinless son, to die on Calvary's cross for you and me. Because of Jesus' sacrificial death, the gift of eternal life is available to anyone who chooses to receive it. Without the shed blood of Jesus, there would be no redemption for our sins. The Bible tells us that there is no salvation in any other. Without his selfless sacrifice, we would have no hope and no victory. Praise God for the gift of salvation and everlasting life. Listen in with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you that we have come into your presence to worship you in spirit and truth. What a great, glorious God you are. And we thank you for the divine privilege of preaching a word on your behalf to people who really need Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Give me insight like only you can give. And we pray that this message would provide hope, help, healing, direction, comfort, and salvation to those who are seeking a word from God. Restrain the work of the devil who desires even at this moment to distract from the word, to raise distractions in homes. Help people who are hearing this message to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. I'm going to preach a special message entitled The Crucified Christ. But since this is Palm Sunday, I believe I need to just say a word about the significance of Palm Sunday. So I would like to take a few minutes at this time just to do that before proceeding with the message for today. Palm Sunday, uh, we celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem one week before his resurrection, which is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Our Lord's purpose for coming in, into Jerusalem was to save the lost, which is found in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. Palm Sunday marked the start of what is often called Passion Week, which is the final seven days of Jesus's earthly ministry. As Jesus ascended toward Jerusalem, a large crowd gathered around him. This crowd understood that Jesus was the Messiah. What they did not understand was that it wasn't time for his kingdom to come in yet. Although Jesus tried to tell them this on so many occasions, according to Luke 19 and 11. The crowd's actions along the road gave rise to the name Palm Sunday. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 8, it says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, 
Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road, instruing their clothes and palm branches on the road. The people were acknowledging Jesus as their king. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 13, the word of God says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. On that first Palm Sunday, the people honored Jesus verbally as king by quoting the Old Testament prophecy found in Psalms 118 verses 25 through 26, which prophesied our Lord's coming. Just wanted to give you some insights because there are many who do not know the significance of Palm Sunday and why we commemorate and celebrate it. Now I'll transition to the message for this morning. It is entitled, The Crucified Christ. The Crucified Christ. If you have the Bibles, open it with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 5 is our text for today. The word of God reads, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Someone once said, and I quote, Calvary is not only the place of atonement, it is also the place of amazement, unquote. Are we so familiar with the cross that we no longer pause to wonder and to worship? Are we able to explain Calvary so completely that no mysteries remain? In these five verses, we see the passion that the Apostle Paul had when it came to preaching Christ and him crucified. My friends, the message of the cross should move us to be amazed, excited, and extremely grateful for the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. Now, I know that a lot has been said about the coronavirus, but as we reflect on the sufferings of our Lord on our behalf this Palm, this Palm Sunday, we should be making much about Christ and Calvary. The cross should not be overshadowed by the coronavirus. We must be intentional about spotlighting and preaching the crucified Christ who gives hope to people who are frightened, hope to people who are worried, hope to people who are backslidden, and hope to people who are lost. Allow me to break this passage down this way. Verse 1 is the delivery of the gospel. Verse 2 is the person of the gospel. Verse 3 
is the sacrifice of the gospel. And verses four and five is the power of the gospel. And I know some of you are writing and you may uh, may be thinking that I've gone a little too fast. So I'll slow down and say it again for those who are writing. Passage breakdown is this way. Verse one, the delivery of the gospel. Verse two, the person of the gospel. Verse three, the sacrifice for the gospel. And verses four and five, the power of the gospel. Let's look at verse one, the delivery of the gospel. Verse one says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. You see, my friends, Paul knew that nothing in this world but the gospel of Jesus Christ could heal our sin sick soul. Not human wisdom, not philosophies, not ideologies. Debates can't heal our soul. Discussions, motivational speeches cannot heal our sin-sick soul. Nor human reasoning techniques to manipulate people's responses. Paul's preaching simply bore witness to what God had done in Christ for man's salvation. Paul preached a Christ-centered message. Beloved, Satan is too busy. The world is too evil and too many are headed towards a Christless eternity in hell for us not to be preaching and teaching Jesus and him crucified. Our delivery of the gospel must not point men to ourselves, but rather it must point men to the crucified Christ. The preaching ministry of Paul did not focus on his oratorical skills charisma, intellectualism, personality, and preaching today must not focus on psychology, tear-jerking testimonies, self-esteem. That's not preaching. Prosperity preaching is not preaching. Positive thinking preaching is not preaching. Uh, Political correctness preaching is not preaching. Paul preached Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, beloved preachers and teachers must not be so unusual, unique or sensational in their delivery that those who hear them miss the message of Jesus Christ. In other words, the congregation must not focus more on how a preacher or teacher delivers, but rather focus on the content of the message as well as the substance of the message. Preaching must not be about styles. Preaching must not be about sensational deliveries or being impressive. We must keep the main thing, the main thing, which is to preach a clear, doctrinally correct message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Too many preachers and teachers of the word so magnify themselves and their gifts that they fail to give glory to Jesus Christ. We must point people toward the crucified Christ. Also, we must not bring attention to ourselves, but to Jesus Christ and him crucified. We must decrease and Christ must increase in us. Preaching is not about self-exaltation, but Christ's exaltation. A genuine preacher will preach the testimony or revelation of God who is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two, 
is the person of the gospel. The person of the gospel. Verse two says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, verse two, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The person of the gospel. In this particular verse, Paul was consumed with preaching Christ and him crucified. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse five says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Making much of Christ was the object of Paul's preaching. Making much of Christ was the object of Paul's preaching. He was not consumed with building his own kingdom. He was not consumed with gaining power. He was not trying to gather control, popularity, status, uh, to gain followers. He didn't want folk to, to just be carried away with him. Beloved, we must not misrepresent the gospel with hidden agendas and wrong motives. Paul was consumed only with preaching Christ and him crucified. The power is in Christ. Because Paul's passion Uh, Because of Paul's passion, he was faithful and available for the cause of Christ. Nothing else could bring him total satisfaction. Some people and even preachers get more satisfaction on the golf course, attending sports events, social events, politics, career and making money than preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter two, verse 10 B says, be thou faithful unto death and I will give you. A crown of life. Paul had the mind of Christ. Paul taught the words of Christ. Paul was consumed with the mission of Christ. And Paul died for the cause of Christ. Beloved, where is your heart? Just where is your heart? Are you living in pursuit of the things of this world? Or are you passionately living for Christ and seeking His righteousness. One who has been called by God to preach or teach the gospel is not satisfied doing anything else. When we have been genuinely called by Almighty God, we will possess a passion to preach Christ, which should bring us the greatest joy and fulfillment. Those who are content not preaching should stay away from the pulpit. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 16 says, for if I preach the gospel, I have absolutely nothing to boast of for necessity is laid upon me. Yes. Woe is me. If I do not preach the gospel. Verse three, the sacrifice of the gospel. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling Because of the seriousness of Paul's mission for Christ, he reaped what he had sown before being arrested by Christ. Paul, who once persecuted the church, is now being persecuted for preaching the very gospel he tried to to destroy. He had been run out of town. Paul had been beaten. He had been maligned. He had been ridiculed. He had been imprisoned and even stoned for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pain and suffering in his body for Christ may have caused his physical weakness. 
Because Paul had persecuted the church, he had humility and possessed a sense of inadequacy, resulting in his preaching the gospel with reverential fear and trembling because of the awesome assignment to preach the glorious gospel in spite of his notorious background. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 also says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Beloved, Jesus Christ was sinless and is the only one worthy to preach the gospel. Everyone else is unworthy because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like Paul, it is only through his grace that we are able to stand and preach the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. Preaching the gospel is a gift from God, an undeserved gift from God. No one is worthy to teach the gospel. No one is worthy to preach the gospel. We do so uh, in spite of ourselves because of the goodness and grace of almighty God. And dare we not abuse this precious privilege. We must preach because the souls of humanity are at stake. Hell is very real and multitudes are headed towards a Christless eternity in hell. Everyone who dies goes either to heaven or to hell contingent on his or her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, I tell you today, hell is as real as heaven. John 14, one through three, when we speak of heaven, the scripture says about heaven, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. Yes, heaven is real. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, heaven awaits you. You must be born again from above in order to enter the kingdom of God in heaven. But now people talk about heaven, but you don't hear much talk about hell. And multitudes are going there in droves. A passage on hell is found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Our love and compassion for lost souls should compel us to preach the gospel with passion. Our passion for lost soul should compel us to preach the gospel with fervor. Our, our passion for lost soul should compel us to preach the gospel with great zeal. Pastors, evangelists, and teachers must one day give an account for every message preached and taught before Almighty God. We are going to stand and give an account before God. Therefore, we must take our preaching and teaching ministry very seriously. 
Being negligent with the souls of humanity is a serious offense before an onlooking God. Because James chapter three, verse one says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Verses four and five is the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel. Verse four says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power, the power of the gospel. Paul kept the gospel message plain, He kept it simple. He kept it clear and Christ centered. He wasn't so deep that uh, the average listener could not grasp what he was saying. We must keep the gospel uh, uh, clear and we must keep it so that the common people can grasp and receive and be saved. Acts chapter five, verse 42 says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. When people get together in homes, there's nothing wrong with playing dominoes. There's nothing wrong with playing cards and Monopoly and all these things. There's nothing wrong with watching healthy movies. But where is the gospel in our homes today? Where is the discipling of our children with the good news of Jesus Christ? The gospel must be handed down to our children so that once we've gone, they can carry on the gospel torch to the glory of Almighty God. In many messages today, you do not hear anything about sin. In many messages today, there's no mention of repentance. You don't hear messages with the blood of Christ in it, the cross of Christ. Where is the atonement of Christ in messages? What about the death of Christ or the resurrection of Christ, which results in the souls of humanity being left in lostness? God is going to hold us ultimately responsible for what we do with the gospel. You see, my friends, persuasive, eloquent words may excite, persuasive, eloquent words may impress or even move the emotion of people, but they will not transform the heart. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 17 says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. God sent Paul to preach the gospel, not in spectacular speech and eloquence, lest he diminish the very Christ he was called to proclaim. You see, beloved, human wisdom may be attractive, entertaining, appealing, but the end results will be emptiness and spiritual darkness. When Christ is preached, however, the power of God will be manifested amidst the people of God and result in people getting saved. Verse five says, so that your faith might rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You see, my friends, without Christ, there is no spiritual life. Without Christ, there is no power. Without Christ, there is no deliverance. Without Christ, there is no transformation. And without Christ, there is no salvation. Christ is salvation. The power is in Christ and his word. 
not in our emotions. The power is not in hype and manipulation. There's no power in entertainment. There is no power in music. There is no power in religion. There is no power in tradition. There is no power in intellectualism. Preaching Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit is the only way lives will be transformed. Too many preachers of the gospel so magnify themselves and their gifts that Christ cannot be glorified and the church edified. It was not Paul's experience or ability that gave his ministry power. It was Christ and the word of God and being empowered by the spirit of God that transformed the hearts of people. Beloved, only spirit anointing preaching will deliver people and save souls. Paul believed what he preached. Lives were transformed by the Holy Spirit as Paul preached and was proof of the message that he preached from God. Spirit anointing preaching will bear much fruit. Christ-centered preaching produces repentance from sin. Christ-centered preaching produces people being saved and revived and convicted. The church being full of life. To help reduce and contain the spread of the coronavirus, Maranatha Bible Church will no longer hold in-person worship services for the foreseeable future. You can continue to enjoy Pastor Draper's teachings through audio messages and worship services by clicking the Sermons tab at www.maranathasa.org, calling 210-821-5683, or visiting Maranatha's Facebook page.